Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. With episode 422 of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, getting over returns for the third time in as many days as our WrestleMania week spectacular continues today your favorite source of performance enhancing audio is here to break down the last week in aew and offer a quick preview for the roh super card of honor show friday night going head-to-head with wwe's go home wrestlemania smackdown in los angeles california a quick reminder that this is just the third of seven podcasts and nine shows overall that we are about to deliver for you Over an eight-day period, of course, already in the podcast feed, our WrestleMania 39 Ultimate Preview and our NXT Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview. Do not miss those shows. Today, we're talking AEW and ROH on Saturday. We're back in the afternoon with an NXT Stand and Deliver Instant Analysis. Saturday early evening, we are live on Twitter Spaces for your WWE WrestleMania 39 Night 1 pre-show. Then Saturday night, as soon as that goes off the air, your WrestleMania 39 night one instant analysis. Sunday, it's a repeat. We are live on Twitter spaces with your WWE WrestleMania 39 night two pre-show. And of course, as soon as that show goes off the air, your WrestleMania 39 instant analysis right here in the podcast feed. It all wraps up Tuesday with the Raw after WrestleMania podcast right here. Again, Seven podcasts, nine shows overall in eight days. We are thrilled to bring it all to you. And if you decide that you want to acknowledge us or support the podcast, well, all you need to do is head over to our new Patreon equivalent at buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. The link is in our Twitter bio at getting overcast. I've also tweeted it a few times. You can become an official getting overhead with a monthly or annual membership and receive a bunch of exclusives, including extra audio, news, and takeaways. And we just went ahead and did that as WWE announced the night one and night two cards for WrestleMania. We did a post with a full breakdown of those cards and thoughts coming out of it. And Friday, once SmackDown goes off the air, depending what happens on the show, if it's, you know, minor developments, then we're going to do a live additional free audio over on that page, buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. And if significant developments happen, we will do a bonus podcast for free right here on the feed. You can buy us a coffee. You can buy us a beer. You can subscribe. You can do whatever you want by clicking the support or membership buttons on that page. And guess what? The price is right because around this podcast, I happen to love the number five. And in case there's any worry about anything changing here, we appreciate you all so much. The podcast is remaining free of charge. We're not changing anything. These are getting over extras. We hope you support us, though, on a consistent basis as we continue producing this show, not just free of charge, but almost always ad-free as well. On that note, a couple more reminders before we get into today's podcast. First, what this show is all about. It's all about Defy. Be sure to drop those five-star ratings and reviews for us on Apple Podcasts. On Spotify, you can also leave a five-star rating. We always appreciate it. And if you leave a written review, we will read it live right here on the show. I should note, for all of our members and subscribers already uh, to getting over on buymeacoffee.com, we will be acknowledging you. Do not fret. 
on the Raw after WrestleMania episode. Just there's a lot of you, and we didn't want to waste the time during WrestleMania week doing that. But your acknowledgement is coming, I promise. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast, not only for the live shows on Twitter spaces, but so you can participate in the pre and post show polls for WrestleMania and NXT Stand and Deliver. That way you can have your voice heard and, of course, learn what your pre-show grades are and how they match up with our pre-show grades and post-show as well. I could have just combined that on the Instant Analysis podcast Saturday and Sunday. All right, folks, with all of that out of the way, this is an exclusive AEW and ROH episode, so let's jump right into it and break down everything that happened across Dynamite and Rampage this week. On Dynamite, Blackpool Combat Club fought Dalton Castle and the boys. The heels attacked during the face's entrance. John Moxley just choked the shit out of Dalton Castle outside as Claudio Castagnoli murdered one of the boys, winning with a Liger Bomb in about 30 seconds. BCC here came off so freaking cool and badass. It was a great look for them as they continue to grow into their heel roles. So we had a scheduled match on the show for the IWGP United States Championship. That's a title in New Japan. Kenny Omega is the champion defending against Jeff Cobb. Now, there was a somewhat extensive video package on Rampage explaining the background of this entire match while previewing it. And this was exactly what we had been talking about Spend some decent time and put a modicum of effort into informing your audience. It was like twice as long and detailed as what they did for Elio Del Vikingo last week. Now, backstage on Dynamite before this match, Don Callis explained in front of Omega that he tripped and he wasn't pushed by Hangman Page, but he put it in Kenny's head that he's Kenny may have suspected otherwise for a reason because of his relationship with Hangman. Page later explained that Matt Jackson had a separated shoulder and Nick has a partially torn bicep. He assumed BCC was at fault. Callus walked up. He extended his hand just like he promised and legitimately seemed to apologize to Hangman on behalf of, you know, his relationship with Omega, making sure everything was cool between all of them. And like I said, he stuck out his hand when all of a sudden the BCC attacked Hangman and he kept his hand extended, Callus did. Mox then looked at it and, you know, everyone has that thought. Oh, he's about to shake it. Callus joins BCC and it's a whole deal. Instead, Mox slugged him in the face and Callus fell down. There was a report out there that he bumped poorly and started bleeding hard way. It to me looked like a blade job. I don't know. One way or another, blood all over the place. Omega backstage was informed of the attack before the match, but he just shook it off because he had to go focus on fighting Cobb. I love the backstage stuff here. We got sensible actions following last week's cliffhanger and then sensible reactions to all of that. Plus, one of the lingering questions coming out of that show, did Callis send BCC to attack the Young Bucks? That was addressed as well. Now, whether you want to believe the attack means Callis is not involved or if you want to consider that it might be a red herring, that's up to you because let's not forget, he's still recruiting Konosuke Takeshka and... If he is joining BCC, then potentially Takeshka could go along with him. That would be really interesting. So as for the match, Omega came out to his New Japan theme. That was a nice touch. He caught Cobb with three Snapdragons. Cobb hit a great standing moonsault for a 2.9 kickout, then nailed Omega with his own V-trigger. He tried a one-winged angel, but Omega attempted to counter back, but he fell under Cobb's weight. Then he countered toward the islands into a V-trigger, and he used the ropes to help lift Cobb up for a one-winged angel and the win. BCC surrounded Omega after the bell. 
But Brian Danielson made his return, yelling for them to get off the apron. And as soon as he did that, you knew exactly where this was going. But Omega took an offered hand from Brian, and Danielson turned heel alongside the rest of the BCC because it was all set up for a psycho knee and a LaBelle lock as Brian screamed at Omega, kind of ending the segment. Now, first, this was a tremendous match bell to bell. Great selling by Omega, and Cobb continued to show that he truly has an incredible ability, and he's able to show it every single time he's put on a larger stage in America. Kudos to both of them. 4.25 stars and an A. Definitely a match I'd go out of my way to watch. What was nice about the post-match is AEW actually allowed the finish to breathe for 30 or 60 seconds, which almost never happens before the attack and before the storyline. Now, like I said, the Brian turn was blatantly obvious, but that's totally fine. It was 100% the right move coming out of the MJF loss, going home, reevaluating things, seeing what the rest of his guys were doing. Him turning heel made all the sense in the world. On Dynamite, Jungle Boy fought Matt Hardy in the opener. Hardy caught Jack flying on Tope Suicida, countering into a side effect outside and another one on the apron. Ethan Page kept yelling instructions, distracting Hardy and getting involved. So Hook came down and attacked him. That led Hardy out of the ring where he took an inadvertent shot from Page, plus a Tope Suicida and a flurry of offense before a really crappy elbow to the back of the head finisher for the win. I hate it when Karrion Cross does it. I think he has a forearm. And I hate it even more when Jungle Boy does it. At least Karrion Cross is like, I mean, I don't know the guy's exact weight, but 250 pounds of pure muscle. So him delivering a forearm to the back of your head, the impact is there. You're, you getting knocked out and getting pinned makes sense. Jungle Boy, what, 175 pounds soaking wet, um, doing the same move or a very similar move. It just doesn't have the impact. Just go back to the other finisher. Do something off the top rope. You're a small dude and you're athletic. This is not a finisher for him. They got to change that. MJF entered immediately after the bell saying Jack was right that his job is pretty easy. Given he never wrestles, he gets to shit on fans, he gets paid well, and he just goes home while Perry legitimately had to work his ass off and climb all the way back to the top just to get in the title picture. MJF said the problem and why Jack has himself to blame for his lot in life is that he's a nice guy and he wasted time with losers like Marco Stunt, Luchasaurus, and Christian Cage. Jungle Boy said at times he actually wished they were friends. He could talk like him and he wished he was as selfish as him, plus other insults, including MJF being a piece of shit. But that isn't him. That isn't Jack. And he accepted the tougher road to the top. MJF sarcastically congratulated him for doing his first good promo ever, taking him four years to learn how to talk. MJF also said that Jack was weak everywhere, and his girlfriend, Anna Jay, even said he was weak between the knees. They brawled, Perry hit everything except for his finisher, and MJF rolled out of the ring. Now, the match was a bunch of whatever. Given the MJF segment that followed, there was no reason not to let Jack beat Matt squeaky freaking clean. And instead, they gave Hardy this big excuse for the loss that was just completely unnecessary and lessened the victory. But the post-match was terrific. MJF was on point. Jack probably cut the best promo of his career. The subject matter was perfect going both ways, and they both completely delivered with their mannerisms and the aggression. I do expect MJF to have similar one-on-one segments with the other two guys in the coming weeks, Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara, which is kind of unfortunate to some degree just because this was strong enough on its own to kick off a singles feud, perhaps even for double or nothing. But clearly, you know, I assume they're going to do something where Darby has a match, wins, then MJF comes out. And Sammy has a match, wins, and then MJF comes out. And they'll keep repeating that formula. And that's okay, because if those segments go as well as this one did, 
it's going to be great. Now, the main event of Dynamite was Adam Cole against Daniel Garcia. Cole got a tremendous and really well-deserved pop for his return from a couple concussions. There were numerous spots, obviously, where Garcia went after Cole's head, including pile drivers. Cole sold at one point that he might get shaken up, or he might have been shaken up, I should say. Uh, Cole eventually hit Panama Sunrise and then lowered the boom for the win. Britt Baker came out for a hug and a kiss after the bell, and then a literal shit ton of streamers fell from the sky because the guy returned from injury and won a singles match. Uh, Chris Jericho's music hit. He pulled Garcia out of the ring, briefly looking over his shoulder in Cole's direction with a stern face. Then they walked to the top of the ramp, and Jericho did it a second time. Now, I want to be extremely positive about Cole's return. Concussions are serious, and I have no reason to doubt whatsoever that Cole was in bad shape. There's just something about this return that feels overly dramatized and exaggerated, almost as if it's forceful sympathy as opposed to natural sympathy. And it's off-putting to me. I don't know how to explain that without sounding like an asshole. And I'm sure a lot of it is to promote all access, which is fine. But you all know I always hate when like serious matters are taken advantage of or are kayfabed after the fact. It's just unnecessary in 2023. And then the streamers, I mean, that was just way too much pageantry. It's an injury return. He beat Daniel Garcia. It wasn't a title match. It wasn't a pay-per-view it was just a lot is the best way I can put it. Now, Jericho coming out initially was an eye roll for me. It was like, oh, of course, here comes Jericho, the energy vampire to suck the return fuel away from Cole like he does with everyone else. And I actually think I called that happening when Garcia initially made the challenge last week or, or whenever. But it was handled nicely with Jericho kind of disrespecting Cole and only caring about his guy in the moment. So... While I don't want this shit to drag on for three months until double or nothing, I am interested in a potential short feud between them that Cole wins. And if it's based on disrespect and maybe even based on the fact that Cole's getting all this pageantry for his return where Jericho has been injured and come back numerous times and no one ever gave a shit about him to this degree, maybe there's something there and, and it'll all make sense. But for now, my opinion on the situation stands as it does. On Dynamite, Willow Nightingale fought Ruby Soho. Soraya kneed Willow in the face a bunch, then yelled at the cameraman for attacking her with his wires. Random as hell. Willow hit a nice spine buster in a Death Valley driver, but when she went to the top rope, the heels outside distracted, and Ruby hit no future twice in succession, only for a false finish. Willow then pounced Soho into the ropes, but Soraya distracted a third time, and Ruby won with a foldover as Tony Storm held her feet on the middle rope. The heels attacked no more than five seconds later. Soho put Willow's ankle in a chair. Finally, Rio and Sky Blue tried but failed to make the save. So Jamie Hayter made a second save and then cleaned house and stood off with Rio, who she's defending the title against next week. My only question here, where the fuck were these women? Why didn't Rio and Sky have Willow's back during the match as time after time after time the heels were interfering? Then after the bell rang, why didn't they immediately run out seeing that she was getting attacked? It has been three weeks of the exact same shit now. Beyond it being repetitive, it's massively dumb to repeat it time after time and not have the baby faces there like sitting in gorilla 
waiting for the bell to ring, seeing the heels attack, and then just running out. Like, where are they? In the locker room on their phones? And they, hey guys, your friend's getting beaten up. So they have to run all the way through the backstage area and get out there. It's absolutely ridiculous. And like I said, it's dumb. They, they all come off as idiots. It also took away from what was actually a pretty damn good match, despite all of the interference, which is also becoming an eye roll, because guess what? Ruby Soho, Tony Storm and Soraya, the three of the best women on the roster. A little interference, a little distraction, totally fine. Like the every other move set during the match having something to do with a distraction or interference is ridiculous. This segment had like A minus potential, but it was executed at like a B minus. And maybe that's even being generous because clearly I'm pissed off about it. Uh, on Dynamite, the guns were backstage cutting an indie level promo saying they don't even respect their father. Clearly, they don't respect FTR, the way they've handled themselves, plus how they've bitched and politicked while out injured. It certainly didn't add anything to this match booking. There's still no reason to believe that FTR is leaving, which means there's every reason to believe FTR becomes the new tag team champions next week. On Rampage, Ricky Starks called out Juice Robinson, except he was in street clothes, and it seemed to me like the challenge he issued on Wednesday. Remember, he said it was an open challenge. We criticized that. We joked about it was for a match. But Starks just comes out in regular clothes. Juice charges down to fight. He stops at the bottom of the ramp. So Ricky runs after him. But Juice ran into the crowd saying he wouldn't fight him this week or next week, but instead in New York. Robinson was a great promo in New Japan. But this shit on Friday night was horrendous, like truly a terrible promo. And when you talk about stretching a few too long, this is exactly what we're talking about. And then on Dynamite, Juice said he was going to go after Action Andretti so he could make an example out of him. That way, Starks would know what's coming next week. It was slightly better, but all in all, my interest in this feud right now, block at zero. On Rampage, the TNT Championship was on the line. Powerhouse Hobbs against Pentagon. Hobbs literally threw himself over the top rope after eating a super kick. Then he took a Topecon hero from Penta outside and two coup de gras, first on the apron and then inside the ring. Alex Abrahantis stole a chair from QT Marshall, but Penta was distracted from Aaron Solo jumping into the ring. Hobbs hit him with the title and landed his finisher to retain the title. So, of course, the heels have tried to tack after the bell. Ray Phoenix made the save because it can't be an AEW match without a segment ending like that. This title reign keeps getting worse and worse by the week. Creative has completely kneecapped Hobbs by shoving him with QT and his losers. It is so damn unfortunate. They had a chance to really boost this guy forward, and they've given him wins over Phoenix and Penta. Both matches have been disappointing, yet he still has wins over both of them, and they haven't helped him. So he's getting the wins but it's actually not elevating him in any way because of QT and all the bullshit. On Dynamite, the international title was on the line. Orange Cassidy against The Butcher. Orange hit Stun Dog Millionaire and a diving DDT. Blade attacked from behind with a crowbar, but Cassidy still kicked out after a knee spike Uranagi. Best friends took out Blade, then used the crowbar on Butcher with Cassidy hitting Orange Punch and the beach break to retain the title. Fans clearly still like this stuff. I'm done with the weekly title matches against people who don't deserve them and the entire shtick here. Different strokes for different folks. I get it. It got a nice reaction after the bell. The crowbar kick out like five seconds later, that was absurd no matter how you slice it. On Rampage, Sorov Strickland cut a taped promo saying he's tired of Keith Lee and he gets to choose when to end their war. He brought up Tech 9 who was in the crowd for clout and promised he would win the war. 
So Keith took out mogul affiliates, I presume to write them off and end that shit group. But Swerve is still referenced as part of mogul affiliates, yet he has no affiliates. And somehow this feud is still ongoing. Like It's cool that Swerve gets the rub from some of these rappers that he brings in or AEW pays to show up or whatever they're doing. But this is all going nowhere. And my interest in this feud has completely evaporated. I'm not going to look it up because I'm in the middle of taping here. But how long ago was it that these guys were champions? I mean, it, it's a, a full acclaimed title reign. And now it's been multiple weeks that Gun Club have been champions and Gun Club's even defended the title. So we're talking about months upon months that it has been since they as a tag team dropped the titles. They didn't split them up right away when they should have. They extended that. Then they had Keith go away because of the coup de gras onto the cinder block on his chest. Didn't have that match at the pay-per-view. Got into the thing with Dustin Rhodes. And now they're still feuding and he's taken out the mogul affiliates. But he's still called an affiliate. And I, the whole thing is just trash. Come on, Ooze. It's, it's a joke, right? It's a joke, Ooze. You ripping me? On Rampage, Brody King fought Jake Hager. King countered Hager bomb with double boots, hit a discus lariat. Anna Jay threw Julia Hart into the ring post outside, and Hager failed on a roll-up. King came back with a cradle package bomb and got the win. At least Brody got his win back after that shit last week with Daniel Garcia. The match was kind of crap, and I'm not overly enthused about a House of Black JAS feud. Also, now you have Jericho doing the thing with Adam Cole. So it's like, it seems like JAS is... And, JAS is also involved with the acclaimed. We're going to talk about that in a moment. So I really am not really sure exactly what they're doing here, but we'll see how it goes. On Rampage, the acclaimed fought the kingdom. Great line for Max Caster here. Tavin sucks if I'm being a buck. Mike Bennett is best known for being a cuck. Got him. Uh, Billy Gunn and Top Flight chased Maria off. Then Billy took out Bennett illegally. Anthony Bowens hit a rolling elbow and the arrival with Caster hitting mic drop for the win. Fine match. The freestyle was better. On Dynamite, JAS took Acclaimed and Billy out to a fake St. Louis Blues game, a dinner, and a carousel, all on Chris Jericho's dime. Acclaimed said they would make a decision next week. Now, I may be wrong, and maybe I missed something, but last I remember, Acclaimed were just completely dismissing the JAS advances. There was nothing to believe that JAS was courting Acclaimed to this degree. There was no prompting. There was no backstage segment of, hey, let us at least take you guys out when we get to St. Louis and show you what we're all about. And then that would, you'd play that and then you'd play this video package and it would all kind of make sense. They just went to a video package and all of a sudden they were all out together having fun. And it's like, wait, acclaimed her faces, JS or heels. Why are they all together doing this? We already know they're not going to join. It's a little weird. We'll see what happens next week. And then lastly, on Rampage, Taya Valkyrie fought Layla Gray, Taya won with Road to Valhalla, the Glam Slam, in 75 seconds. Then she gave one to Mark Sterling. Three of the last four televised AEW women's matches have been under 90 seconds. This was before Willow Nightingale and Ruby Soho. So three of the last five then have been under 90 seconds. There's nothing else to say about that. On Dynamite, Jade Cargill cut a tape promo angry about Taya using her move with Sterling threatening to sue if she uses the move again on Rampage. So let me get this straight. The lone women's match on Rampage for the third straight week is going to be a Taya Valkyrie squash. This shit honestly could not be any worse. Zero point zero. 
Zero point zero, Mr. Blutarski. And that wraps up Dynamite and Rampage from this week. As you can tell, I was very positive. The first hour of Dynamite, in fact, I pretty much loved every single thing in that hour. But man, that show fell apart in hour two and Rampage was terrible this week. So, you know, one out of three hours being, I'd call it great, is awesome. Like if you get a great hour of television, but if you make the other two hours decent to good, then you have something there. Instead, they were extremely rough. I failed to mention earlier in the show that I was going to talk about AEW All Access because that did debut after Dynamite on Wednesday. Actually, they gave a sneak peek uh, following the NCAA tournament over the weekend, and it was available on demand. So if you looked for it, you got to watch it. I was able to watch it on Monday, which was great. So the first episode of AEW All Access uh, spent time early filleting Tony Khan, and they cut to him, like clips of him, like a dozen times during the show, just him sitting in gorilla, like looking confused or looking at a monitor or yelling something. They just kept showing Tony Khan, even though he had nothing to do with the story itself. Let's just hope that was for the premiere and that's not every episode. The show overall is a mix of pure kayfabe, kayfabe reality, and then a little dose of reality as well. It's not dissimilar from other shows like it, though I would say it's definitely more realistic than like, total Bellas by comparison. But that's bound to be the case given the majority of this show, at least in the first episode, was literally backstage and not as much in their personal lives. It did touch on their personal lives, Adam Cole in in particular, but most of the footage was from backstage. Uh, An example of some of the things that were on the show. Tony Storm acted legitimately bothered by being called interim champion as if it was some offense when... Really, there's no way that was the case. And if there was, then she's incredibly sensitive. And the other women seemed actually bothered by Thunder Rosa not being around, which we know was true. Brawl Out was referenced in terms of something having happened, but we learned zero about it, despite one-third of the episode being focused on the Young Bucks' return from two months away from the ring and away from AEW on suspension. They didn't say they were suspended. They didn't say why they were suspended. It's just that they were coming back. And then Adam Cole got choked up over the concept of not wrestling again. And Britt Baker's support of him in the show was really sweet. That was the realest stuff on the episode by a mile. So the overall takeaway from AEW All Access is if you are an AEW fan, I would absolutely 100% watch it. It is an enjoyable, entertaining show. Are you going to learn much? You know, Probably not. I do have to make the assumption they've saved a couple storylines for the show that they're going to unveil, but we'll have to see. I'm going to be very curious to see what episode two and three look like. When it comes to, you know, comparing it to the WWE equivalents, uh, I never watched Total Divas. I watched Total Bellas because Daniel Bryan and John Cena were on it, and that got me into it, and then I ended up finishing the series, even though the Bellas themselves annoy me to no end. Uh, Miz and Mrs. is very interesting for WWE because it's a half hour reality comedy. Like it's purposely set up to not be a thousand percent realistic, but to also be funny because Miz and Maurice are those kind of characters and they're that good together on the show. So I would probably say like I enjoy Miz and Mrs. more than AEW All Access, but it's number two, better than Total Divas, better than uh, Total Bells. I mean, I can't speak to Total Divas because like I said, I didn't watch it. 
I assume it's better <laughs> than Total Divas, at least for me, for my level of enjoyment. Uh, but I will watch AEW All Access. I'm going to watch every episode, and it's not going to be a pain to watch every episode like it is for Rampage, at least as long as it stays at this level of quality. In terms of what it's going to do from a rating standpoint, I have no idea. The Saturday one, the sneak peek, got like 730,000, but that's because it came immediately after a game that had like 7.5 million viewers. So it lost 90% of the viewers from the game. I'm not saying that's an indictment of it on anything. I'm just saying it had a massive, massive lead-in. So we'll see what it actually does Wednesday for the first episode and really the indication of whether it will be a success is going to be episode two and three in the normal time immediately after Dynamite without it being the pilot episode. So we'll talk more about that next week. Lastly, on this episode, we're going to do a relatively brief preview of ROH Supercard of Honor. Now, Ring of Honor has traditionally held this show on WrestleMania weekend. I find it quite hilarious, at least, again, to me, that Tony Khan made this big proclamation years ago when AEW started about never running his shows on WrestleMania weekend. But now he's kind of making that specific to quote unquote AEW, given he's bought ROH and can put it head to head against WWE without technically going back on his word. Yet that's really exactly what he's doing, putting this up against the go home WrestleMania SmackDown and the WWE Hall of Fame in the same city. And by virtue of that, by the way, he's also putting the show up against Rampage on, on TNT because Rampage is 10 to 11 and this card is surely going to go well past 10 p.m. Eastern. So you can make of all of that what you will. Anyway, let's quickly go through six of the seven matches that matter on this card. I'm not going to be uh, discussing the other one. Also, it's unlikely that I watch Supercard of Honor this weekend or perhaps even next week. I'm going to be on site at the Masters in Augusta, Georgia. So a recap of Supercard of Honor, it's probably not going to come for two weeks. If I do one at all, um, perhaps I can go over the results of it on the Thursday show next week when we talk uh, NXT and AEW next. If I have time, I'll try to at least get through the results, but I don't know that I'll be able to grade the matches or watch it until a couple weeks from now. We'll start with the pure championship Wheeler Yuta against Katsuyori Shibata. This is the only match that I'm actually unsure about in terms of a winner. Like Shibata gets to pick and choose who he fights these days. At some point, he needs to win. I could see Shibata getting strapped up here for a brief title reign and then just dropping it at the next big show. So that's who I'm going with. Uh, AAA Mega Championship, El Hio Del Vikingo against Commander. This is a chance to be one of the best matches on WrestleMania weekend, regardless of brand. Uh, coming off his performance on Dynamite, this match seemingly got added last minute just as like a featured spot. A title change would not make a shred of sense, so I do have Vikingo retaining. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi from New Japan is going to fight Daniel Garcia. Garcia issued this challenge Wednesday after Dynamite. Tanahashi had previously said he would be in LA ready to fight. If you want more proof of what I said earlier about Khan counterbooking WWE on WrestleMania weekend, this match is a perfect example. Garcia just lost to Cole. There is no earthly reason he should lose to the ace. Tanahashi wins. Uh, the vacant tag team championships are on the line in a Jay Briscoe reach for the sky ladder match. Lucha Bros, Top Flight, The Kingdom, Aussie Open, and Roosh and Drillistico all challenging. It should be the Lucha Bros winning this, but they have absolutely zero momentum. I don't know why you would beat both of them individually on AEW TV if you're about to have them win the ROH tag team titles. 
Aussie Open seems ready to hold a title in this extended company in America. So that's going to be my pick, Aussie Open winning the tag team titles. The TV championship is on the line, Samoa Joe defending against Mark Briscoe. Briscoe vacating the tag team titles and winning the TV title on the same night would obviously be poetry. Joe has been completely absent from AEW TV since ending the Wardlow feud and since ROH began its streaming show. And Briscoe having this title, which has been a dream, something he's been trying to win, accomplishes a lot more than Joe keeping it. So I'm going with the title change. Mark Briscoe, the new TV champion. The women's title is on the line. Athena defending against Yuka Sakazaki. Uh, Athena has been on one, really, since making the move to ROH. It's actually a shame to a degree because AEW could really use someone of her caliber to add some electricity to the division. But there is absolutely zero chance of a title change here. Athena retains. And lastly, the main event, the ROH title on the line. Claudio Castagnoli against Eddie Kingston. It is time for Kingston to win a major title. Notice I did not say world title. You don't pull Eddie off AEW TV and relegate him to ROH to not make him the face of the brand. Claudio has plenty to do with BCC over in AEW now, and this is the perfect timing for a changing of the guard. Plus, Kingston is so over, it might actually convince more people to subscribe to ROH and whatever their streaming service is called if he's the champion of the brand. So I'm going with Kingston to win the ROH championship. And if that does happen, I'll tell you this right now, that would be an impetus for me to try to figure out a way to watch this next week because I would love to see Kingston win a major championship. So folks, that is the breakdown this week of AEW and ROH. Of course, we will be back one week from now with our next AEW show. We'll also talk NXT, of course, on that Thursday episode. And maybe I'll be able to fit in a little bit of ROH. That kind of got me juiced, you know, going over that card. Kind of got me juiced up to find a way to watch it. I just don't know that I'm going to be able to, that I'm going to have the time to watch it next week. On the way out of today's show, a whole bunch of reminders for you. First, you know what we're all about here. It's all about So be sure to leave those five-star ratings and reviews for us on Apple Podcasts. On Spotify, you can also leave a five-star rating. But if you leave that review on Apple, uh, and we'll read it right here live on the show because that's what we do. We're all about the five. We love the number five. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast for episode drops, news, analysis, highlights, all that good stuff. You also, if you follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast, get to participate in our Twitter Spaces shows on Saturday and Sunday night before WrestleMania Live. You also get to participate in our pre and post show polls for WrestleMania 39 night one and night two on Saturday and Sunday, respectively. All of it by following us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And one more reminder, we already have the WrestleMania Ultimate Preview and NXT Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview in the feed. Be sure to listen to that. Still coming up before the week is out, NXT Stand and Deliver and WrestleMania 39 Night 1 Instant Analysis. Two episodes on Saturday, then Sunday, the WrestleMania 39 Night 2 instant analysis. And of course, next Tuesday, the Raw after WrestleMania show, which will complete a cycle of seven podcasts and nine shows overall inside of eight days. We are all about you, the listeners, the getting overheads right here on this show. So allow me once more to ask you to please support us and acknowledge us through our equivalent of a Patreon at buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. The link is also available in our Twitter bio. You can subscribe monthly. You can subscribe annually. You can just buy us a coffee, buy us a beer, spend five bucks. Again, we love the number five here. I happen to love the number 
five. Support the show. Help us keep this podcast free of charge and ad free. That is what we are here to bring this great performance enhancing audio to you. I appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for tagging along this week as we cover WrestleMania and WrestleMania events in as depth fashion as anyone out there. It is time for the Silver King to save his voice and sign off. And at this time, I am going to leave you with just three final words. Bye for now.